ओम पार्थय प्रतिबोधिता भगवता नारायण स्वयं व्यासेन ग्रथिताण मुनिना मध्ये महाभारत अद्वैतावृतवर्षिणी भगवती अष्टादशाध्यायिनी भगवत गीते भगवदेषिणी यं ब्रह्मा वरुणेन्द्रुद्रमुद स्तुन्वि दिव्यस्तव वेद सांगपदक्रमोपनिषद ध्यानावस्थितगतेन मनसा पश्योगिन कर्मण्ये वाधिकारस्ते माफलेशु कलाचन मा कर्म फल हेतुर्भु माते संगोस्तु कर्मणि So far, the arguments were made as to why Arjuna should perform this action because it is proper for him to do that. Now, while performing the action, what should be the attitude? What is it that we should know about the action? It is necessary that we should understand the whole mechanism. We should know what is involved, what is to be gained if an action is performed properly, or what is to be lost if the action is not performed properly. And all that we must understand. So in these verses now the Lord describes the what you might call the art of performing action. And the first statement that is made is Karmani Evata Adhikaraha. Number one, you should perform action. Mate Sangahastu Akarmani. May you not have a like or may you not have attachment for inaction. But you must perform action. you must be active <clears throat> in the third chapter this point will be further elaborated also that not even for a moment any living being can remain inactive because action is something that proceeds from within it is one's own nature that will prompt up to perform prompt one to perform an action in fact lord krishna is will say to arjuna that you will compel to perform action by your own nature स्वभावजेन कौंते निबद्धस्वेन कर्मणा सो वन हैज अ नेचर एंड एज लॉन्ग एज दर इज दट एनर्जी विद हिन एज लॉन्ग एज दर इज दट रेस्टलेसनेस विद हिन सो लॉन्ग इट इज गोइंग टू प्रॉम्प्ट और यू वन कंपेल ए पर्सन टू डू समथिंग दैट एनर्जी सीक्स टू एक्सप्रेस इट सेल्फ एंड दैट हैज टू फाइंड इट्स एक्सप्रेशन थ्रू एक्शन एज लॉन्ग एज वन इज इग्नोरेंट एंड देफर सफरिंग फ्रॉम अ सेंस ऑफ लिटिलनेस suffering from a sense of limitation sense of non acceptance for oneself as long as this is there so long it is not possible to sit quietly you may be able to manage to do for a while but it is not possible that the mind can be quiet as long as mind does not accept itself as long as it doesn't have the proper self esteem as long as it doesn't have the maturity as long as it has not attained the tranquility or contemplativeness and until we attain such a mind it is not possible to shut off the mind because mind remains active so as long as rajas and tamas rajas meaning activities tamas meaning dullness as long as these qualities are predominant so long as sattva or the tranquility remains subdued by these two qualities and they will make you perform the action they will create different desires in you and so arjuna you will find that action one has to perform suppose it will be said there again in the third chapter suppose you force yourself somehow to remain inactive by restraining yourself then what happens your mind will dwell upon things mind will wander into the objects anyway by restraining yourself you perhaps denying yourself the pleasures of the world 
but the mind will dwell upon the objects and pleasures anyway. In which case, your thought and deed will not be in alignment, and you will be a person having all kinds of conflicts within yourself. There were, from that standpoint also, point also it is said that one should not take to what we call inaction, in immature way. Yes, a time has to come, of course, and time will come for all the seekers that they can withdraw from the action and can largely devote themselves to the life of contemplation, life of pursuit of knowledge, which is the goal. But that cannot be done right away. Sanyasastha Mahabaho Dukkhamahaptum Ayogataha Again in the fifth chapter it will be said that sanyasa, renunciation of action, which Arjuna wants to do. Dukkhamahaptum Ayogataha Without the discipline of yoga, meaning without the emotional maturity that the yoga brings about, without that, simply renouncing the action is, is very difficult. It, is, it would create lots of difficulties for a person. <coughs> and therefore, addressing Arjuna specifically and people of that state of mind who have a lot of energy and activity within themselves, who have these likes and dislikes. Likes means they represent what we call Rajoguna. Dislikes is what represents Tamoguna. So as long as Rajoguna and Tamoguna, or likes and dislikes, attachments, aversions, attractions, hatred, as long as these things are there in the mind, as long as one is prone to be upset or to react when the buttons are pushed, you know. So as long as still this number of buttons are there, which can be pushed, and that can excite me like a, like a machine, like a toy. You press a button and the toy starts talking, running, jumping. And similarly also you press a button here and you can show that this person will be angry. You can show, I mean, if you invoke jealousy from me, you know what button to press. Won't I invoke anger from me, you know what button to press. So as long as all these things are there, so long one has to work them out. And how do you work them out? You work them out through action. Uh, so these inner forces will prompt you or even compel you to do something anyway. And therefore, don't give up the action. That's idea. Karmanyi Vadikaraste. You are at the moment, it's proper for you that you engage in activity. Of course, what kind of an activity? Karma or the action, which is what we call dharma or that which is a proper action. We explain the concept of dharma. Dharma is what is proper for a given person in a given situation. So, dharma in general is an action in keeping with the basic order. Dharma means the order. There obtains an order in the universe. And I being a part and parcel of the universe, therefore my actions also should be in keeping with the basic order that obtains. If I violate that order, then definitely I am the one who is going to be hurt. And, and what is the nature of that order? That order alone is generally expressed by different values. This non-violence expresses the order obtaining in the universe. The whole universe is non-violent in that sense, that nobody violates other than human beings, other elements and other living beings, they don't violate one another. True that they feed themselves on other beings, to that extent violence is there, but beyond that, there is no violence in the universe which is unnecessary. And so these values like non-violence, everything in the creation is truthful, everything is true to its nature. And so uh, animals behave like animals, plants behave like plants, a mango tree behaves like a mango tree consistently. That's why we can always predict how they will all behave. You know water will boil at a given temperature, at a given pressure, and you can predict the behavior of all of these things because they always follow the dharma or they follow their nature. Nothing in the creation transgresses its nature. And so, we should also follow. That, that means all of them are truthful to their nature. When there is truth, there is simplicity, there is predictability. When truth is not there, then there is complexity, unpredictability. In as much as in the nature there is predictability, shows that nature follows its law. That means there is truthfulness everywhere. And therefore, I should also be truthful. And thus, these are the fundamental values which represent the obtaining order in the universe. And therefore, actions performed by me should also be in keeping with those values. That alone will be called dharma. 
So basic values determine what should be my action in a given situation and also my place in the life, my place in the society, my place in a given setup. Because at any time I'm going to be a part of one or the other setup. I may be in a family, I may be in a gurukulam, or I may be even in a forest. In forest also there is a setup. I may be wandering alone and therefore the setup is perhaps minimum, but still there is some setup. And every setup has its own code of conduct. Every setup has its own requirements. And when I am a part of the setup, well then, I also function in a manner which is in keeping with the order obtaining in that setup. So a setup might declare me to be a father. In another setup, I may be a son. In the third setup, I may be a teacher. In the fourth setup, I may be a student. In the fifth setup, I may be something else. And thus, moment to moment, we play different roles. And every role has a script, as Swami would say. Our life is nothing but a series of roles. From the time that we wake up in the morning till the time that we go to sleep. In deep sleep there is no role, surely. And that's the reason why there is no duty. There is no awareness of myself. No one is there awareness of the world. Never in deep sleep I don't have any responsibility. Because even I as an individual also is not there. But throughout the waking state I am a self-conscious being. And therefore aware of myself as a person. I'm aware of myself as a human being, aware of myself as a father, as mother, and whatever. And that self-awareness automatically requires that I should function or I I should conduct myself in a certain way. Thus every moment we are required to play certain roles which a given situation requires us to do. Or which our own conscience tells us that a given situation requires some response from us. And as in a drama, just as every role has a script, and only when that actor follows that script, then alone he is said to act properly. Similarly also, if we act according to the script that every role has, then father also has, that role of father has a certain script, role of mother has a certain script, and so on and so forth. Every role has a certain script. Never acting according to that script would be what we call dharma or a proper or becoming action in that situation. So this is what is meant by karma throughout Bhagavad Gita essentially. Well, Lord Krishna uses here the word karma and says that you are poly- qualified to perform or you are fit to perform karma. That karma means what? Dharma. Meaning a becoming action, a proper action, an action that is in keeping with the order obtaining in the universe and action in keeping with the order obtaining in a given setup. So it is that kind of a karma. In the olden days it was this was very easy because Vedas or the Indian scriptures they enjoined actions upon the individual. Everyone is enjoined to do this. If you belong to a certain caste and if you are in a certain stage of life then this is what you should do. That's the reason why society was essentially divided into four castes or the four categories of people depending upon their dispositions. Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra. Depending upon the disposition of mind. And the life also was divided in stages. Brahmacharya, Grahastha, Vanaprastha, Sanyasa. The life of a student, meaning life devoted to knowledge. Then life of a householder. Then life of the one who is retired and the life of a renunciate. These were the four stages of life. So you belong to a given caste and you belong to a given stage of life, fine, then this is your duty in a given situation. This is how the scriptures enjoined a duty upon the people and therefore it was easy for a person to determine what was the proper thing to do in a given situation. Today, of course, we don't have this kind of scriptural injunctions and the life cannot be so well defined and therefore everyone has a unique kind of a life, let us say. But the basic spirit is the same. And spirit is that when I am a part of the setup, then I have a certain responsibility and a certain proper response that a setup calls for. And to act in accordance with that is what would be my dharma or what would be proper for me to do, what would be becoming of me to do. <coughs> to perform action in this manner. Action which is in keeping with the basic values of life. Action that is becoming of you. 
as a person enjoying a certain status and person enjoying a certain state of life a person enjoying certain responsibilities and whatever is becoming of you in a, at a given situ in a given situation at a given time in given place would be called karma or dharma and therefore here Juna you should be performing this kind of actions mataya sangahastu akarmani you will not be a cop out or don't you escape when people find the duty is too much then naturally you don't escape as Arjuna did want to he found that the demands of the situation were just too much that he was called upon to kill all these people who were so revered and dear and near to him and therefore it was an extremely difficult task in the third chapter Arjuna himself asked this question that oh Lord if according to you knowledge is the goal and knowledge is superior to action in as much as ultimately the life one gains fulfillment only through the pursuit of knowledge then why do you ask me to engage in this in this uh, horrible action tasmin karmani ghoramam neo jaisi keshwa why do you lord why are you asking me to engage in this kind of uh, uh, actions which are cruel actions why do you want me to do that so definitely Arjuna would have liked to withdraw from this because it was very difficult for him to perform this duty. It called for on his part to really set aside his personal emotions and act and it was an extremely difficult situation. That's the reason why he wanted to retire from here. He wanted to become a renunciate. If you become a renunciate, you officially and formally renounce all your duties in which case there is no responsibility, meaning there is no demand upon you. Lord Krishna says, no. Mate sanghastu akarmani may not have a liking or a desire or a, a, an attachment for akarmani, meaning for inaction. Don't remain inactive, don't give up the action. Because action is the only means that you have for expressing your energy. Action is the only means that you have for gaining an emotional maturity, for working things out. Whatever likes, dislikes and whatever things that are in, how do you work them out? Work them out through proper action. Because like, as long as there are likes and dislikes within, so long they are going to prompt them to perform action. Because what is meant by like? Like is that attitude or a situation where I feel that I need a given thing. I cannot do without a given thing. I am happy if a given thing is given to me or I have that. I am unhappy in absence of a given thing. So when that kind of a relationship I have with a thing or a being, that is called like or attachment. And what we call aversion or dislike is just the opposite. Where I want to avoid a given thing. I am unhappy in the presence of a given thing. Or I am uncomfortable in the presence of that thing. And that is what we call aversion or dislike. And both likes and dislikes are going to cause created desires in the mind. When there is a like or attachment, there is a desire to acquire thing, to enjoy that thing, to be with that thing, to possess that thing, to experience that thing. When there is an aversion, naturally there is a desire to get rid of that thing, to avoid it. So both attachments and aversions, so likes and dislikes, as long as they are there in the mind, so long they are going to create desires. And when there is a desire, the mind becomes restless. That desire should properly be expressed in the form of an action. What action? An action that is classified as dharma or a proper action. So here Arjuna, there are still dislikes and dislikes in you. When a time comes that you become free from them, fine, you are then ready to renounce the action. In the fifth chapter, the Lord says, May you know that person to be over ever sannyasi or renunciate. One who does not have an aversion, nor one has an attachment. So one who is essentially free from attachment and aversion, may you know, know him to be a renunciate even though he may be an active person. In India, when you say renunciate, usually it's the one wearing an orange robe. 
the one who has formally renounced the actions and never one who is not active person. But then uh, Lord Krishna says, even a person is active, he is doing his duties, but if he is in his mind free from these attachments and aversions, free from reactions, then you know him to be a renunciate, know him to be a sannyasi. So that kind of a sannyasi we have to become. This is called emotional maturity. What is emotional maturity is nothing but a freedom or essential freedom from attachments and aversions which stand for all the various reactions in our mind. As long as attachments and aversions are there, so long anger and jealousy, etc. are going to be there. And therefore, becoming free from this reaction, this is what we call emotional maturity. And the mind that is essentially free from these reactions alone can be a quiet mind, abiding mind. And when we have that, fine, you can give up your job. Not until then. So, until then, giving up your job, and until then, copying out from the action, is going to be only as, he, as Lord Krishna says, Mithyacharasuchade. This person is Mithyachara, meaning he thinks something and his, expre- his, his uh, actions and words do not really express his thoughts. When there is a disalignment, an alignment between the words and thoughts and deed, then it's, it's a person who is Mithyachari, meaning whose thoughts and actions, they are not in alignment. <coughs> there should be an alignment within our personality, what you might call a harmony within our personality. And that is the whole purpose of Karma Yoga. That when you perform an action intelligently and properly, that action will become a means for bringing about this alignment. That very action will become a means for your becoming free from these internal reactions. Until that happens, say Arjuna, don't give up your action. Don't give up your duty. Action means karma nivadhikara And therefore, you adhikara, you are, you are qualified or fit for only performance of action, meaning performance of your duty. This is maapaleshu. Then how do you perform the duty? Maapaleshu kadachana. Very difficult thing. That is, you are qualified to perform action all right. But what kind of action? Maapaleshu kadachana. Phala means result. Not the actions which are prompted by a desire for the result. So you should perform actions all right, but not what are called kamni karma, meaning desired prompted actions. Nishkama karma, meaning the actions that are not prompted by desire, but prompted by a sense of duty. There must always be some motivation for performing an action. Without some motivation or without some purpose, a person cannot perform an action. A purpose must be there for performance of any action. Hey Arjuna, what should be your purpose for performing action? Not a reward for the action. Maapaleshukadachana. May your, the purpose of performance of action, may it not be reward that the action will bring. Then what should be the purpose? That you are doing a good action. That you are performing your duty. You are doing what should be done. Let that be the motivation of action and not what reward or gain this action will bring. That is what is meant by Mahaphaleshu Kadachana. May you not have attachment towards the result of the action. And uh, therefore, if you have attachment, what happens? Mahakarma Phalaheturu Bhuhu. If you perform actions as motivated by reward, the desire for reward, karma phala hetur bhuhu then you will become the hetu you will become the cause for karma phala you will become the cause for generating the results of the action see here the whole idea is to perform the action alright but then remain free from the bondage of the result it is a result that binds a person because when you perform an action with its desire for a certain reward, then definitely that action is going to bring about some result which I will have to experience. Action brings about a reaction when an action is performed with a desire for a reward. And that to perform action all right, 
but remain free from reaction. That is what is called Karma Yoga. Action has to be performed because, as we said, there is within all this energy which needs to express. And therefore, action should be performed. But what normally happens is, when you perform an action, it brings about a reaction. And therefore, to perform an action all right, but remain free from reaction, is the way to perform. That is called Karma Yoga. So, Karma Phala is a reaction, result of an action or reward, desire for a reward, is going to bring about a reaction and therefore, Ma Karma Phala Hetur Bhuhu. May you not become the author of the result of the action. Meaning, may you not get attached to the result of the action. Otherwise, you will, the cycle of the birth and death will continue. Why will it continue? Because action is performed in the present. And the result comes when? Result always comes in future. So your action is performed in the present and the result always comes in future. So if my eyes or my attention or attachment is towards the result, then what will happen? Definitely I will have to be around when the result comes. Because I perform an action with a desire to, to experience a certain result. In order to achieve a certain result, I perform the action. And therefore, I must be present when the result comes. When will the result come? The result will come at a future time and place. And therefore, I must be there at that time and place to experience the result. And suppose the multitude of actions that you perform, they cannot be exhausted in one lifetime. Because every moment we keep on performing actions. And even in the process of experiencing a result, I, I perform an action. You see, suppose I get, I get to see a movie as a result of my action in the past. I get to go to a, a restaurant, you know, whatever it is. Some results have come. How do we enjoy the result or experience them? That itself requires an action. So I perform an action of eating or watching or going or doing. So understand that even the very process of experiencing a result also calls for an action, which will bring about another result. And therefore, actions are going to be performed constantly until I die. And the results of these actions will come at a future time and place. And if they have not occurred during this lifetime, they will come in the next lifetime. And therefore, you will have to be present in that embodiment, at that place and time, when that result comes. And therefore, this, when actions are performed with a desire for reward, or when the reward is, is the motivating factor behind the action, then definitely my limited existence will be perpetuated even for the next verse also. That is how the desire-prompted actions become means for or or they become the uh, they become responsible for even the next birth and the same business will go on in next birth also and that's how the whole chain of birth and death is created by this action reaction chain we want to break that chain action we want to perform but reaction we do not want to have because reaction the karma phala will come in future and I don't want to be around at that time, meaning I don't want to have anything to do with that result. If it comes, well and good, but then it is not that I would be, uh, I would necessarily have to be connected to the result. I want to be connected to action, all right, but I want to severe my connection from the result. And what connects me with the result? This motivation of enjoying the result. So may you perform actions all right, but not for enjoying the results of the action. Perform the action because the action is proper. Otherwise, if you perform actions in order to enjoy the results, meaning if you make your action as a means for generating results, then definitely that is going to perpetuate your limited existence from one birth to another birth. So understand this mechanism of action Invariably brings about a result which is in accordance with the action. Except that the result always comes at a future time and place. 
And who is the one who has to experience the result? The one who performs the action. And therefore, I will have to be present when the result comes in future time and place. Meaning, I will have to again take another embodiment. And that's the reason why we are even today experiencing various things for which we haven't done anything. And we only can say that something may have been done in the past which brings about certain situations today, good and bad. Yadahi karma phalatrasna prayuktha karmani pravartade tada karma phalaseva janmano hetuhu bhavet. When a person performs an action as prompted by the craving for the result of an action, then he himself becomes a mean cause for generating the result, meaning generating the next birth and death, thus continuing the limited existence, continuing the samsara. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, Ma karma phala hetur vuhu. May your karma or action not become a means for perpetuating the samsara, but may your action become a means for exhausting away your inner likes and dislikes. So action I want to perform because it becomes a means for exhausting my likes and dislikes. But I do not want to be stuck with the result because it perpetuates my limited existence and therefore I perform an action without the attachment for the result of an action. Let the result go to God, you know. I perform the action. That is what he will say in the next verse. You have to perform action. How do you perform action? Yadi karma phala prayuktena na kartavyam karma katham tarhi kartavyam Next verse, ask this question. If Lord, as you say, we should perform action not as motivated by the desire to enjoy the result, then with what motivation, with what attitude should I perform action? On one hand you say that, Hey Arjuna, may you perform the action because that alone is proper for you. On the other hand you say that, may you perform action not with an attachment for the result. Okay, if not for the attachment of the result do I have to perform action, then with what motivation? Or with what attitude should I perform the action? And that question is answered in the verse 48, in the next verse. Yogastah kuru karmani sangam tektvadhananja siddhya siddhya samabhutva samatvam yoga uchyade. Yogastah kuru karmani. So first line of the verse 47 is explained in the, the first line of the verse 48. Karmanyevadikaraste, you should perform action. What kind of an action? Yogastha Kuru Karmani. Kuru Karmani, may you perform the actions. Yogastha San. Abiding in yoga. So perform actions as abiding in yoga. What is meant by yoga? Shankaracharya explains here. Kevalam Ishwaratham. Kevalam Ishwaratham, meaning for the sake of the Lord may you perform the action. So when you perform an action, now what is the motivating factor? See this is a, this is how, how beautifully Lord Krishna now teaches us the, the role of action. What is the usual motivation behind performance of an action? Usually a common man, when he performs actions, why does he perform action? Because the action will bring him some reward. Because he hopes to achieve a certain end. He hopes to accomplish something as a result of action. It is that desire for accomplishment. It is the attachment for the accomplishment that an action will bring. It is that which prompts a person to perform an action. Suppose you tell the people today in New York City that this month if you go to work then also you will not get a paycheck, you know. Your option to go to work or not go to work because at the end of the month you won't get a paycheck. Suppose the city of New York tells all the employees that we are cutting back on our budget, there is three billion dollars of deficit and therefore we cannot afford to pay you next month. So if you want, you are welcome to come to our call ride, but you won't get paycheck at the end of the month. How many people do you think will go? 
Some people may go because it is more difficult to stay at home, therefore they may go there. There are some people who go to work because they cannot remain home, you know, that's a different thing. Or some people are just compulsive workers and therefore he doesn't know he'll be totally lost without work. But otherwise, who will go? Everybody will say, why should we go? If I am not going to get a reward, if I am not going to get anything out of the action, why should I perform the action? So usually motivation behind performance of an action is the reward that the action will bring. This is how that incentive scheme is there. Now slowly it is losing its importance, but formally in the industrial, uh, you know, in the factories and workshops, this is to give an incentive that if you produce this much, then you get this salary. At a fixed salary, then you produce more then per piece you'll get this much more. Suppose a worker has to turn out 100 pieces a day in a workshop. Then there is an incentive. If you produce 105 pieces, then you'll get this much. Then per piece extra, you produce more, then you'll get this much more. This is called incentive. And that's why the person wants more and more, because it is what we call greed. And never he performs. Normally people are motivated by this impulse called greed. The impulse called the impulse to enjoy more and more, to get more and more. And that is the impulse that is exploited. But what happens is, we are only invoking the lower impulses of the person in making him work, also to, to compete with other people. What all this? That is also very low impulses in the human being are invoked. And what happens is, this keeps person more and more bound. Person gets more and more entangled in this. And this creates more and more conflicts and more and more strife in the mind. So here, and this can be a very beautiful management system also, that you change the motivation. Let not the result or the reward be the motivation. But yoga, Ishwaratham, may you perform the actions to please the Lord. May you perform the actions to make the Lord happy. May your actions be performed in the spirit of an offering to the Lord or offering to an altar. Whatever there is in the life that you revere, let your actions be offered to that altar. Suppose you don't particularly care for God, but you care for the country, all right? May you perform the actions as an offering to the country. You don't even care for the country. You care for the state. Okay. Perform actions is an offering to the state. I don't care for the state also. All right. I care for the organization for which I work. May you perform actions as at the altar of the organization for which you're working. So I don't care for an organization. I care for my I, you know. Then that is called actions performed for this personal reward. The actions performed by merely selfish motives are only going to be what we call binding actions because they will only create reactions. And therefore, larger the purpose for which the action is, I mean, action is performed, smaller is the reaction. And if you perform action for Lord, which is totality, there is no reaction at all. But anyway, the idea here is that may you discover from within yourself a more nobler motivation then merely fulfilling the desires of your own personal being, let there be a greater motivation. May your actions be performed as an offering to some altar. And therefore, these acts of worship are there, which is a part of Karma Yoga. Because when you perform an act of worship for an altar, and when you are worshipping a form, it becomes even very easy because that altar is right in front of you and you can relate with, you can relate with a god in the form, relate with Lord Shiva or Dakshinamurti or Rama or Krishna or whatever. And you make them different offerings, offering water, offering bath, offering clothes, ornaments, food, light and whatnot. So here is a direct offering. It becomes what you call Karma Yoga. So Karma Yoga means performing action as an offering to the Lord. Automatically, it is what we call the worship of the Lord.
So may your actions become a means for worship to the Lord. So perform your actions in the spirit of worship. That is called Yogastha Kuru Karmani. So Karmanye Vadikaraste, it is your it is only proper for you to perform actions. Then what kind of how do you perform actions? As an offering to the Lord. So before performance of an action, may you think, Ayana Parmeshwaraha Priyatam. May the Lord be pleased by this action. Which Lord? Whatever you consider as Lord. Whatever concept you have about the Lord. And that will be discussed in Bhagavad Gita from 7th chapter. The Lord Krishna will say that I am the one who is the creator. In 18th chapter also this is beautifully said. Yatav pravartir bhutanam yena sarvamidam tadam svakarmanatam abhyarcha siddhim vindati manavaha says there in 18th chapter Yadav pravartir bhutanam Lord is the one from whom all the beings all the things and beings derive their energy their existence yena sarvamidam tadam and Lord is the one who pervades everything who is all pervasive because he is alone the material cause and therefore he is the material of which the whole universe is made or he alone is this manifest universe and therefore he alone pervades everything you don't have to go someplace to find God he is in front of us whatever you encounter in your life is nothing but God because he alone pervades his entire universe Yatav pravartir bhutanam and he alone is the intelligence behind everything because he is the intelligent cause thus he is the source of he is the source of the entire creation he is the source of all activities he is the source of all inspiration he is the source of all existence this is this is God presented by Bhagavad Gita as what we call abhinna nimitta upadana karanam both the efficient and the material cause you know, obtaining everywhere in the universe. Like the clay pervades the pot, and so also the Lord pervades the whole universe. Svakarmana tamabhyarcha. Svakarmana pavansun karma. And we just said, karma here means dharma or a proper action. And therefore, worshipping this Lord by the actions which are one's duty, or actions which are becoming of oneself, actions which are proper for oneself to do in a given situation, at a given time. Whatever action that may be, Lord Bhagavad Gita never says which particular action should be performed because every action is as good as any other action. And therefore, the fate may have placed you in whatever situation and whatever action you are required to perform in a given situation. In United States at least people have a choice in choosing their action. Most people have a choice. In many places like in India you have no choice at all. There are very limited opportunities and therefore you find yourself in a given situation and you have to do a given thing that is required of you. So whatever a situation calls for from you that becomes a proper action for you no action is superior no action is inferior and thus by your action may these actions become a means of worship so worshipping Lord by your actions as our priest for example performs a puja one of the steps in the puja is what we call archana offering flowers to the feet of the Lord and he utters the name Long, long name, you know, of this Dakshinamurti. Very long names, yes. Very complicated. Om, Om, Kara, Simha, Sarvendra, Yenama. Very long name. Om, Om, Karo, Dhyana, Kokila, Yenama. You know. Or there may be simpler names. Om, Achyuta, Yenama. Om, Ananta, Yenama. Om, Govinda, Yenama. The tradition is, you utter one name of the Lord and offer the flower at the feet of the Lord. Lord is supposed to have many names. It is usual to worship the Lord with 108 names. 108 is a sacred number. Or sometimes you do it more elaborately by 1008 names. That's another sacred number. 
Sometimes 300 names. So gods have so many names. Because every name is the name of God. But anyway, so you utter a name and offer a flower. This particular process is called archana or worshipping the Lord with flowers. Where flower becomes a symbol of offering yourself to the Lord. You're offering your own self, offering your own ego, offering your own likes and dislikes, offering all your difficulties, you know, to Him, offering yourself. So that's why so many times we say, Namaha, Namaha means salutations, salutations, salutations. And thus we offer ourselves. Ourselves nothing but the ego. That's all that we can offer. Because what else do we possess anyway? If you have to offer something, what can we offer? If there is something that I can call mine, I can offer. Really speaking, there is nothing that I have created in this world anyway. Whatever I have is all given to me. The only thing that I can call mine or private is what, you know? Is the sense that this is mine, you know? To call this book as mine, there's a sense of possessiveness that I have towards an object is my personal thing. Because this book was not produced with the stamp of Swami Vidyatmananda or something, you know. But then I say, this is my book. This is my home. This is my thing. And where is this mindness? Where is the sense of possession? It's purely in my mind. This book, he doesn't acknowledge that. Suppose I am sitting there and somebody picks up this book and walks away with it. Is this book going to, pro- is this book going to protest? Doesn't. The shoes I call mine, you know. If when you come to this place, you have to leave your shoes out there. Sometimes your shoes get taken away. In India, if you lose your shoes, know that they are stolen. And therefore there are people who go to such places where this kind of discourse takes place. Because there are a number of people who attend and all the shoes are left out there. So they choose a good pair, you know, and walk away with it. This is very common there. <laughs> Walking away with shoes. Now these shoes I, 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 I spent, uh, I don't know, 400 rupees. A lot of money I spent. I look after the shoes, I polish them every day. I'm very proud of them. I take good care of them. But when somebody wears them and walks away, these stupid shoes, they don't even utter a word and say, I don't belong to you, I belong to him. They don't say that. So this is simply one-sided relationship, you know. I alone keep on proclaiming things as mine. Those things have no sense of possession and no sense of belonging at all. They are not faithful to me. So it's stupid on my part to call things as mine, but we do it anyway. So this mindness or what we call sense of possession is purely a notion on my, in my mind. And therefore, when we make an offering, what do we offer? We offer this notion. We bring these flowers. Who has created the flowers? Flowers are in, created by God himself in his own garden. We pluck those flowers and then offer him as though we are offering him something that doesn't belong to him. It belongs to him to begin with. There, in India, in Bombay, in that ashram, there was a very beautiful temple. Outside the temple there was a garden where they were growing roses and such flowers for offering to the Lord. But people have a habit of plucking flowers. And therefore there was a sign there, please do not pluck flowers. You think that people follow that instruction? Not necessarily. When nobody is watching, they quietly pluck a very beautiful rose from there. And they then walk into the temple and, go, and then give it to the priest. Please offer this flower to the Lord, you know. So flower that is plucked from the garden of the Lord is offered by me as though it was my flower. Which is fine, God doesn't mind it because after all, what can we offer Him? Everything belongs to Him, including this body and the mind, everything He has given me. But then when we make an offering, what are we offering? We are offering that sense of possessiveness. That sense of ownership. That is called charity. Charity is nothing but transferring the sense of ownership. Nothing else happens. I realize that this ownership is a notion that I entertain. Oh Lord, that notion is offered to you. Swamiji, if nothing belongs to me, why should I make any offering? You know, that's an... But you should make an offering because 
that notion can be only eliminated by making an ext- a gesture of offering. It doesn't matter what you offer. What you offer is only symbolic. In the ninth chapter it will be said, Patram Pushpam Phalam Toyam Yome Bhaktya Prayachadi Tadaham Bhakti Parudam Ashnami Prayatatmanaham Whatever you offer me, Bhaktya, with devotion, Patram, whether it's a leaf, Pushpam, it's a flower, Phalam, it's a fruit, Toyam, it's just some water. So whether you offer me a leaf, or a flower, or a fruit, or even some water, as long as it is offered with devotion, this thing which is offered with devotion, I accept it with great joy and I enjoy it, he says, you know. So what is important in this offering is devotion. No offering can be made unless there is devotion behind it. So when it is said here, Yogastaha Kuru Karmani, may you perform actions as an offering to the Lord. What is meant is that may you perform actions with devotion to the Lord. Doesn't matter where the Lord is and uh, however he looks like, even if he doesn't, we do not know that, it does not matter. What is important is our attitude. Tavatattvam na janami ki drushosi maheshwara ya drushosi mahadeva tadrushaya namo namaha. There is a verse wherein the devotee tells the Lord, Tavatattvam na janami, Lord, I do not know the truth about you. Ki drushosi maheshwara, O great Lord, I don't know how you look like. Yadrushosi Mahadeva, however you may be, and wherever you may be, Tadrushaya Namonamaha, to you, however you are, and wherever you are, this salutation. He says, this salutation to you, O Lord, wherever you are, and however you are, because I don't know how you look like. I don't know the truth of you, but then this is the salutation I offer to you. And therefore, offering is essentially nothing but in our mind. Offering is this attitude in our mind. Thus, here Lord Krishna says, may you perform your actions as an offering. That's important. What do we ultimately want to offer? All those likes, dislikes, attachments, aversions, sense of ownership, all those reactions that alone really belong to me, all of them are products of ignorance. Ignorance alone brings about what we call the ego or the sense of individuality. And that ego or the sense of individuality alone brings about likes and dislikes. Because that which is favorable to the ego or agreeable to the ego becomes an object of like. That which is disagreeable to the ego becomes an object of dislike. So his likes and dislikes are directly the products of ego or the sense of individuality. And these likes and dislikes in turn create what we call fear. Because when there is an attachment, when I want something badly, there is always a fear that I may not get it or I may lose it. Or when I, when I have an aversion or resentment for something, there is also fear that I may be stuck with it. So these likes and dislikes bring about what we call fear. Asmit, so avidya, asmita, raga, dvesha, abhinivesha. These are the five kleshas, all these five forms of suffering that the Yoga Shastra identifies. Ignorance, avidya is ignorance. Asmita, the sense of individuality. Raga is attachment for that individuality. Dvesha, aversion for anything that becomes an obstacle. And abhinivesha, fear. So this is what is there in our mind and we want to offer this to the Lord really. Thank God that He is the only one who can receive all the garbage without getting impure. That's what He said about Ganga. Ganga, everybody dumps all, you see it is said that when you take a dip in the Ganges, all your sins are washed away. Ganges supposedly washes away the sins. If she washes away the sins of all these people who are taking dips in there, how sinful she would become, you know, polluted she would become. She does not become polluted because she can just absorb all the sins without being affected. That's how God is. We can offer Him all of our difficulties and likes and dislikes and fears and reactions. He will not get polluted because 
in his infinite vastness and infinite purity all of these things just get absorbed the idea is that when we make a gesture of offering what is really being offered is ignorance the sense of individuality dislikes dislikes fears reactions all of that get offered but to offer them we require a medium of offering so when this offering is made with devotion it is a devotion in our heart which purifies our mind not an action in karma yoga or the yoga of action it is not the action that is important but then it is this whole devotion with which the action is performed it is the devotion that is important therefore it is said yoga stha may you perform the action as an offering to the lord it is offering or the devotion which really purifies the mind it is god that purifies the mind when there is devotion for the lord it is a devotion which purifies the mind not that you are doing something but then the devotion but every action then becomes an opportunity to invoke the devotion how nice it is if we if you understand this and if you implement this then when an action comes you remember offering to the lord so an action becomes what an occasion to remember him an occasion to make an offering to him occasion to invoke the devotion for him says in the 8th chapter tasmat sarveshu kalashu mamunusmar yudhyaja how this theme is through is 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 uh, elaborated and dwelt upon throughout bhagavad gita tasmat sarveshu kalashu mamunusmar yudhyaja and therefore here arjuna at all the times may remember me and do your duty so constantly remembering him it's not that we have to remember a name necessarily which also you may do but remembering him who is a creator who is a sustainer who is all pervasive who is an intelligent cause who is a material cause who is indweller in this manner we remember him and offer our actions to him so every action therefore becomes an occasion to invoke the devotion from within me and making an offering to the lord action becomes a link between me and god and that's important that's how action serves the purpose of connecting me with god that's why it's called yoga yoga is that which joins you see and when action becomes a means of joining me with the lord it becomes yoga so that's why it is called karma yoga so shankarajara says here yoga sthaminik kevalam ishwarasam karmani karu merely for the sake of lord may you perform the action it's a big thing to expect out of us is not going to happen overnight is not even going to happen that i remember god most of the time most of the time i'm so preoccupied with my work so concerned about the results so concerned about my image so concerned about the success and failure so concerned about the rewards that generally speaking i can hardly remember god but then we make an attempt and then uh, if you remember that action must always be associated with god then you won't even need the reward when an action is able to invoke the devotion there is an internal joy of offering something to the lord and that joy itself is a reward you won't require a reward in the form of some mundane result or mundane reward but there will be an inner reward in terms of a joy or the satisfaction that arises because you have made an offering to the lord so yogastha kuru karmani then 47th verse it ma phaleshu kadachana you do not have may you not attach yourself to the result that is being said here that is being explained sangam tyaktva dhananjaya he dhananjaya sangam tyaktva giving up the attachment for the results we'll continue the discussion tomorrow om purnamada पूर्णमिदं पूर्णात्पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवशिष्यते ओं शाति 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 
शंकर शंकराचार्य केशव बवदरायण सूत्रभाष्यत वंदे भगवत ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्तिद विभागिने व्योम व्याप्तेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम हरि ओम श्री गुरुभ्यो नमः हरि ओम